Welcome to the Customer Service Gold Dust Podcast. This is the UK's only podcast where customer experience professionals share their journey, insights, challenges, and current focus in an ever-changing customer service landscape. My name is Gavin Scott, and I invite you to join us as we delve into another great conversation. Whether you want to increase customer satisfaction or decrease customer complaints, there's sure to be plenty of gold dust that will help you to stand out. Hello and welcome to the Customer Service Gold Dust Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Scott. Now, my next guest is known as an innovative and creative strategist with over 25 years of proven ability to identify opportunities in customer interactions, demonstrating competence in startups, mid-size and Fortune 100 companies with an outstanding reputation for partnering, mentoring, promoting collaboration and resolving complex business issues regularly sharing her thoughts, ideas, and insights on the subject of customer experience as a speaker, and joining us all the way from Dallas in Texas. Let's give it up for Diane Majors. Hello, Diane. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are. How are you, Gavin? I'm well. It's one o'clock over here in the UK, and so what time is it there in Dallas? It is early in the morning, 7 a.m., and I've had plenty of coffee. Wow. Well, listen, thank you so much for, for getting up so early and joining us on the Customer Service Golders podcast. It's great to have you. You came highly recommended from Alec Dalton. Uh, and so I was chuffed to bits when you agreed to come on. So, hey, thanks for being on the podcast, Diane. Of course. Of course. Let's dive in and share a little bit with the team. Let's do this. So let's let's start off and just tell us a little bit about your background. Then, so what got you into the into the work that you do? Well, I've always been in human behavior. I started as a clinical psychologist. A lot of people don't know that. And so it's always fascinated me, the reasons why and how and how people interact. But I got out of that and I went to work for a startup. And that startup over a period of four years grew to several hundred employees and was acquired. And so I got to be a part of one of those dream scenarios. And I learned so much. But it really started when a CEO that I had for one of the first business roles that I had, he said, we're going to do everything around the the customer. And I need you to go out and understand them. I need you to bring that information back, rally the organization around the needs they have, and really change the way we do business. And that kind of set the motion. So that started in my career at, at doing this as a profession, as a discipline within uh, Cisco Foods, a large distributor here, AT&T Business Services, and in and with many other companies. Wow. So starting off as a human behavior, I mean, you know, when it comes to human behavior, I- I'm just fascinated by that, that very subject in terms of why we do things the way that we do. So yes. background as a human psychologist, right? Yes. And do, do, do you find yourself when you when you when you see interactions and behaviors you're thinking about and, and assessing certain situations or just take it all in? What, what's the approach you take, Diane? It's a little different, and I think it's part of thinking about anybody listening to this podcast. One of the things that I I love to to I'm kind of called the tough question lady for a reason, right? Because in psychology, asking the right question is half the battle, and so I encourage people to really think about. For instance, if you're looking at data from customers and making interpretations about that data and what they're doing on the website, what I say is, you know, well, why are they doing it? 
You know, what's the motivation? What's the need? What's the expectation behind that? And so it's telling the rest of the story as it comes to really understanding human behavior, because we all can observe the behaviors and look at what they're doing, but we need to understand those motivations because that's where, if you think about your own experiences you have every day with, with brands, you probably touch a hundred brands every day from your computer to your phone to the, the coffee shop you go to. And each one of those touch points has an emotion tied to it where we're trying to accomplish something we want to feel. We want to go to places and have experiences that make us feel good. And so we have to really think and be intentional about understanding why is that person here? What are they doing? What they're doing? And how can I make that better? How can I connect and make that experience where it's resulting in that positive behavior, not negative? So it's that why. Okay, yeah, so understanding the why and, and being known as the tough question lady. Well, hopefully you won't be asking me any tough questions. I I'm, might I'm be asking you a few, Diane, right? <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> so let's uh, let's take a look then because, you know, we, we talk about customer service and, and customer experience. I'm keen to find out from you, you know, what's the difference between customer service and customer experience? I think customer service is the critical interaction that someone has when they need help or assistance. I th- always think about when I go into an organization and I'm helping them really figure out where to focus, I start with the care team because they are so knowledgeable about what is really driving customers crazy and why people are calling and where they need help. And even as we go to chat and text and some of the, you know, the the IM messaging, we're finding that the care teams really understand that. And they're the ones that are most finely attuned to the emotions of that customer and that, that why we're talking about. And so they are a great place to start. So I think about it as an interaction where you're helping somebody. Customer experience is Miss, I think it's misunderstood in a lot of ways. Everybody says the word. But when I talk about customer experience, that is the experience we're creating for the customer, obviously. But it's really about experience management, the discipline of us understanding what a customer is doing, why they're doing it, how we can help them, and how we orchestrate an intentional design of those experiences. So it's a discipline. And when I say customer, it can be employee or partner. But that's how I see the difference, that the Experience is really looking at all the touch points together to understand what's happening. And then customer services, that interaction where anywhere along the customer's interactions, they might need help. Okay, great. And that really helps to make the, a, a clear distinction between the two. And, and then for you, in thinking about the world that we live in today then, Diane, you know, why is, is the customer experience so important? It has highlighted for organizations who were either kind of dabbling in this and saying, yes, we need to do it, or they were focused only on their net promoter score, have now realized that if you don't understand the needs and expectations of your customers and build your business around that, you're not going to be around very long. And the pandemic and the, and the shifts in business models and the changing needs and expectations of employees and customers have obviously changed, radically changed how businesses think, how they transform, how agile they are. So that's, I think, what's changed. And I think organizations have also realized that they can do a lot of things that they didn't think they could do. I've seen companies who have been talking about doing more digital transformation, get things done in three months than they had planned for three years because of the pressure, because of the responsiveness. You know, I kind of stop and think about that a little bit. It's like, why didn't they do that before? Was it a crisis that really needed to motivate them to do that? 
when all along the customer's needs have been changing. And mm-hmm. and being in touch with that and building your business around the customer and their needs is really where those organizations we see who did that over the last couple of years have really thrived. And and if you think about that, you know, and I've heard people use terminology like, you know, over the last 24 months, every company's experienced a digital leapfrog when it comes to what they what they're now capable of doing. And I think some organizations are getting this right from a digital perspective, but some of them are causing some more frustration for their customers in terms of them still wanting to engage and speak with someone and they and they find that they can't. I mean what what are your views on that, Diane? I agree. I was just doing research because I just did a presentation on this topic about the power play of digital transformation and experience management. The reason that we're seeing a lot of the the digital transformations have challenges is that I think teams didn't realize that once you design something digital or you're implementing something and and moving to digital, it should be Mm experience-led, data-driven, and create new value. That's when I look at a digital transformation, those are the three things I look for. Does it meet that criteria? And I would tell you that I don't know that for in many instances, you know, moving something to digital, you might have cost savings, but if it doesn't have those other components, then it usually isn't optimized. And, and so we, we have been working very hard to talk about the power play between doing digital, but starting with the experience first and enabling it with digital. And so that design component has been a really critical factor, I think, for organizations going back and saying, oh, hang on, we probably, we probably need to you know, stop and readjust what we're doing and how we're approaching digital. You've mentioned that you've created a talk around the power play of digital transformation. Is that right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wow. And so it, it talks about the, the importance of it being experience-led, but just share those other two things that you said that you need to focus your attention on when it comes to getting a digital transformation right. What were the other two? It's data-driven. So yeah. having, and I don't mean data, I would say more customer intelligence, right? That, that not only are you looking at the data of what's happening today and what you want to change, but are you really bringing that, which is part of experience-led, bringing that why data, like talking with customers, having them co-create with you, understanding what they're trying to accomplish. Have you done that due diligence to bring the right data in? Because the other thing we saw is that organizations kind of plugged in digital, but they didn't have baselines for what was happening today versus what change did that have to the experience and therefore the business results. So we saw because they were in such a rush, they kind of sidestepped that. And now as we try to tell the business case story around what it's done for the customer and the brand, they don't have a lot of the baselines in place that they should have. So therefore we can't tell a business story. And so thinking about some of the organizations that you've worked with then, Diane, what's been the impact for the ones who've got this digital transformation right for their customers? If you look at the research now, what we're finding is that Customers are gravitating toward those organizations who got it right, that were there for them, that made that experience better for them, that met their needs in those moments of truth, like, you know, working from home and having your groceries delivered. Those organizations that did it right and were responsive, that's who's gaining the market share today. They build trust. And that's a huge part of our relationships with brands. 
so thinking about some of the work that you do, you know, helping them to really enhance their, their customer experience, what are some of the approaches that you take that, that help some of the organizations that you work with to provide that great customer experience? Obviously, you do some work in, in the space of digital, uh, but what are, others, what are some of the other key things that you do that helps to, to ensure that the businesses that you work with, you know, create these exceptional customer experiences? Oh, of course. Yeah. So we, I'll give you an example. We just worked with a, a federal agency here in the, in the States. And, and one of the things that we began to do is we began to teach the organization a little bit about the skill sets of experience management. Not that everybody was going to be that, but when I say that, it means, you know, are you really starting and asking the right questions about from the customer? Are you getting insights from your data and not just reacting to it and saying, Oh, that's a problem. We know what, what the solution is but really spending time with that problem to get to the right insights and the right problem to solve. We help them through, by, by going through some, some workshops with them, we teach them design thinking, empathy mapping, journey mapping, lots of people love journey mapping, but also ecosystem mapping and service design. And service design is, yes, you can map the journey, but what are, have you really mapped out all the things that it takes in order to deliver that experience? So you know all the things that can contribute to or potentially be an opportunity. We teach future state storyboarding. So we we try to really bring the practice of experience management into those workshops and make them very collaborative, kind of changing how they how they're working to rather than being in your silo, you know, come in and work with a cross-functional team to do that. And running through all of that, it's really about a discovery and then having a, you know, here's our intended future state of what we want to accomplish. And then what's it going to take to deliver that? What's the capabilities we need? Do we need better data? Do we need better knowledge management systems? And so walking them through that process of really how to approach an opportunity and look at their customer differently is what we help organizations do. So teaching them some of the skill sets that they need in order to provide a great customer experience, making sure they're asking the right questions, getting the right insights, you know, really understanding the problem. And you talked about this thing called empathy mapping. So tell me some more about that. What does that involve? Oh, it's it's a it's a great exercise. So thinking about if a lot of times when we think about our customers, we look at personas and mm. personas are are great. But when we're thinking about, OK, let's take a persona of Joe, the the mid-level executive at a, at a company and his work environment, like well, he's at work. So an empathy map helps you think about if you kind of take that persona and you kind of put him in, you know, thinking about his job, put yourself in his shoes and really mm-hmm. think about, you know, what are the things that he's hearing and seeing and doing every day? How does he feel about those things? What is he trying to accomplish? What are some of the pains that he's having? So we're not, all we're doing is really trying to understand what that is happening during that and build that level of understanding that we might not have. If we just kind of launch into, let's go build something for him. Let's really stop to that point of go slow, understand the problem and the right problem to solve. And that's what the mapping begins to help you do. It gives you that human element behind that person representing an avatar, representing a group of people and what they are struggling with and what they're trying to accomplish. It's almost like just taking that imaginative leap into into Joe's shoes mm-hmm. uh, and trying to understand things from his perspective. I heard someone recently describe empathy as walking with one foot in your shoe and the other foot in that of the customers. And mm-hmm. when you think about it, I mean, that's what empathy is all about, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it really is. How can we how can we understand 
that person better, their motivations, their their dreams, their wishes, their wants. Because, you know, all of us, when we started working from home, it really changed our environment. You know, the distraction of having, you know, being at home and kids and dogs and pets, trying to set up a work environment. All of those things, if we really think about them, we really want to understand what that's like. And if we have empathy, we can help that person in our role as leaders, for example, or even a peer, help that person really adjust to where they are and make it a better experience, but but also that feeling that they get and helping them achieve their goals. You know, like a lot of people said when when they started working from home that it felt very isolated, but they were more productive. And so how do we keep that productivity, but address that isolation? of I can't go out to lunch with my peers and have those lunch conversations that are often more valuable than being in a workshop or in a meeting. How do you replace that? So having that empathy around what they're doing and what's missing and how do you create those experiences is vital to what we do as a profession. Yeah, absolutely. And if we can get those adjustments right and and spend time really understanding what the world looks like for these individuals, then that in itself is going to help to make sure that we deliver against their needs in this new world, because it's certainly a very different place today than what it was, say, 24 months ago, right? Yes, it is. And and even as as we see kind of the values and, and, and norms shifting too. So this YOLO approach, this you only live once, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, the great realignment, I call it. It's not a great resignation. It's It was just a, a realignment of people's lives. And so I, you know, yes, people are concerned about the turnover, but people are finding that, you know, obviously life is short. And this is a revelation that a lot of people don't have till they get older to say, you know, am I really doing what I love? Am I solving the kind of problems I like to solve in my job? Am I really being valued at the organization I'm in? And so what we we find is by building that and understanding that better, that can really yield great results too. So I, I do see the shift. Some of those things are are really permanent and they've shifted the way people think about their lives. Yeah, absolutely. I remember doing um, an event with a group of children once. There must have been about 14 or 15, Diane. And uh, they, they were saying to me as I was stood at the front of, of this lecture theatre, Gav, 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 just shout out YOLO. And I was like, what the hell does YOLO mean? And I, was, so I just said, yeah, YOLO. And they were like, yay, the teacher said YOLO. And I was like, what does it actually stand for, guys? Uh, and they were like, you only live once, Gav. <laughs> That's funny. You, 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 they led you down that path. You could have been screaming on something that could have gotten you in a lot of trouble. Imagine, no, imagine. <laughs> That's, you know, and I, I think that impacts people very deeply. So I'll share a very personal story. Like I had a lot of, my, I told you I was a psychologist and, and one of the things that really influenced me is I lost my mother and father very young. My father died my first year of college and I had a sister who passed away. So it, it, lots of loss. And so I actually, my my whole study in psychology was in grief and death and dying. And I worked with hospice and I did a lot of that. And one of the things that was very impactful for me was nobody on their deathbed said, I want to spend more time at work. They wish they would have spent time more with family. They wish they would have created more memories for the people around them. I mean, it, it's very impactful to be in that work early on in your life so that you think about, you know, you're blessed with every moment and every day that you're given. I and mean, I think the pandemic has been a little of that. You only live once is a, mm-hmm. is a cry for, are we really doing the things we love and the living life that we have to the fullest? And I don't want to get philosophical about it, but that to me really impacted me about staying in this role and helping people, you know, adjust their lives and think about their lives and making other people feel 
feel good about what they're doing um, when they interact with the brand is, is all how I came into this work and why I love it so much. Yeah, I love that. And that's it. And when you think about it, I, I don't think I've met anyone who's been successful doing something that they hate. And so, you know, once you have, once you have a passion for something, then, you know, that, that passion will just certainly drive that level of success. And it certainly sounds like you're on purpose when it comes to some of the things that, that you do, Diane, right? Yeah, you'll hear that very commonly from people who are in the experience management field. I, I joked when I was CEO for the CXPA, the Customer Experience Professionals Association, it was hilarious to go to our conferences because one, it was a bunch of people falling all over each other to help them, right? It was like a bunch of nurturers in a room. But one of the characteristics is everybody kind of says in their own way that the the work that we do as experience management professionals, it's a job that they were meant to do. Like everything they've done in their career has led them to that. Because it's the ability to connect the dots, to see the big picture, to influence people, to be empathetic and bring how we think about human lives to the business world. And it's a very common theme whenever I talk to an experienced professional. They like that's what they enjoy and love about their work. Love it. Love it. What would you say your top tips then when it comes to the gold dust for our listeners here in the UK and the US and across the world? What would be your top <laughs> tips uh, when it comes to how to create exceptional customer experiences? Give us a few shares here, Diane. I, I think it's that whole approach of being, you know, he, we call it a human-centered design. And there's tools and resources around that. But I think bringing that human back to the conversations, you know, when you're, when you're developing a, a website or you're trying to do a digital project, like, who are we building this for? What if it was my mom using that app? You know, would she be able to use it? Like, we, we need to start thinking about that. So bring the human back. I think engaging customers in a different way. You know, we've seen surveys and been around for a long time. I was doing paper surveys when I first started, so it tells you how old I am. But one of the things that that we find right now is that, you know, we need to get, we need to be having conversations with our customers, a conversation strategy. And this one-way feedback is is not going to, is not going to bode well going forward because it, it's kind of like being in marriage. If you're only having a one-way conversation with your spouse or your partner, it's not going to last very long. And so this ability to co-create and bring the customer in and have those conversations, whether it's they giving you a video telling you and you're doing, you know, you're responding to it, we're going to see an increase in that where there's, there's much more of that. So I think really, really listening and convert with customers, not just looking at the data and finding that why. I think the ability for us to have some standards and accountability to experience is important. What I mean by that is, are we embedding it into the everyday things we do in our brands and in, in our in our lives? So an example of that is, you know, if you have a product launch readiness process you use right now, where is the customer questions in that in that launch readiness? You know, what's the impact of the customer of this change? Do we have baseline measures for what they expect? Do we know the value of this is going to create for the customer and for us? And do we have baselines against that? So embedding experience into the everyday of what you do across your organization is another key component. Yeah, I love that. So I've got there, bring back the human or bring the human back, crucially important. You know, Engage the customer in a different way in terms of how you converse with them, make sure that two-way conversations. And then the final one I've put down there is, you know, have those standards and accountability to the, the experience that you provide. So Exactly right. Exactly. Well, that. 
there you go. Some great gold. This it was certainly certainly clear from where I am sat here in Doncaster in the UK. So uh, that's great. And listen, how can our listeners get in touch with you then, Diane? What's the best way to connect? Hey, I'm on LinkedIn, but just pay attention. The last name is Majors, M-A-G-E-R-S. You could find me there anywhere. If you Google my name, uh, you'll see me come up and my all my contact information is there. And I'd love to have deeper conversations with anything we've talked about, Gavin. So thank you for the opportunity for me to share with your listeners today and I'm happy to help. If you're an experienced management professional who's struggling, I'm happy to help. I love to mentor and help people and pay it forward. Love that. Dan, it's been great to have you and you're more than welcome. I was happy to, when when Alec recommended you, I thought, yes, I need to get Dan on the podcast. And so thank you ever so much. You enjoy the rest of your day there in Dallas. And I, I look forward to, to, to speaking to you in the not too distant future. We'll make sure that your contact details are on the show notes. But okay. Dan Majors, it's been great to have you. Look after yourself and take care and see you soon. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for listening to the Customer Service Gold Dust podcast. I'm sure that there are plenty of ideas you can take away and apply to your business today. Three things to do now. Subscribe to the podcast so that you can benefit from every episode. I'd also love to see a little review as well. This helps to spread the word and the gold dust, of course. Head over to Amazon to get a copy of my latest book, Finding Gold Dust. How to create exceptional customer experiences. The book is endorsed by a former executive vice president of Walt Disney Resorts. And finally, visit my website at www.gavinscott.me and sign up for some more free content. Until next time, stay memorable.